Welcome to Bases and Bitches. <laughs> wow, Adam is not even drunk. Welcome to Basic Snitches. No, not at all. You're like, it's, well, bitches. Is that what I said? Like the fucking dad in A Christmas Story? How about bitches? <laughs> it wasn't quite that, but it was definitely like, I have worked a long week and I'm a tired bitch. That's what I got from that. Ding dong, baby. I'm Adam. I'm Tara, also a tired bitch. Hey, look what I have. The fuck is that? What do you think it is? Is that a potato? Close. It's a potato ball. Oh my god! It's a potato ball from Empanada Place. Yes. What did you bring for show and tell today? I already showed you my alcoholic beverage of choice. That's Um, fine, but I also showed you my little shock candle lighter too. (laughs) Oh, I have my Game of Thrones pillow. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. You've seen that. I don't have anything you haven't seen. You were just here, and I'm not cool enough to have anything new. Oh, I do have a show tell. I have a blanket that looks like a pizza. I've seen that too. Have you? I couldn't remember if you'd seen yeah. it. It was unfurled the last time I was there. Oh, well, it looks like a pizza. Well, I guess I'll have to accept it. Do better next time. <laughs> I don't have new things. You have a lot things. of new things, but they're... So you've seen them all because you've been to my house. Furniture. So, well, yeah. today we're discussing the unknown... Pizza blankets. This is not the chapter pizza blankets. <laughs> That's sad. They need pizza ha- at Hogwarts. That doesn't happen until the next book. Today, okay. we are discussing the unknown room, chapter 21 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Yes, we are. After this session, we have like less than 150 pages to go. That's insane. This book has been, I was going to say swimming by, sure. Let's take a moment to acknowledge our lovely patrons. We have Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. As always, thank you so much for your support. And you too can join this list at patreon.com slash basicsnitches for only $3 a month. Uh, We also have some additional tiers for even more great content. And this week we are back on our bullshit with a screen rant. It's actually been a while. So before we talk about this chapter, winner loser of chapter 20, which was Lord Voldemort's request. Oh yeah. So we actually discussed some of this within that episode. It's tricky because I could see you giving Voldemort the win in some aspects. Like in the first memory, he got what he wanted. In the second memory, he didn't really get what he wanted. Dumbledore also didn't really do anything. The only person who really like lost that chapter was either Cupcake Bitch or Hokey. See, I can remember the elf's name before I can remember Cupcake Bitch's name. No, I'm actually going to give the loss to Voldemort. Okay. Because he didn't get to return to school. Not like a win, like I got my fucking body back. That's a giant win. This is a in the past win. It's not that big. I mean, it is that big of a deal, but I'm not giving it to him. You're giving the loss to him, right? Yeah, I'm giving him the loss. Dumbledore wins. There was really no winner. I'm giving Dumbledore the win for kind of being like, nah, fucker, I know what your game is about. I do not trust you. And yeah, Dumbledore won for being himself. Yeah, like there were a lot of faults among characters in the last chapter because Dumble was kind of a dick to Harry at the beginning and stuff. But these memory chapters, while they are absolutely wonderful and there's a lot of fascinating content in them, they're pretty neutral when it comes to the people's behavior. Yeah. I mean, sure, I guess Voldemort killed a woman. That makes sense. <laughs> so Yeah, that's a bit not good. Um <laughs> That's a bit not good, yes. Killing someone is a bit not good. 
So Tara didn't send me a thing. So we don't have a thing this Oh, week. I have it. I just didn't send it. Hold on. Hold on. It's right here. Okay. Here's the thing. Chapter 21, The Unknown Room. Harry looks to the half-blood prince for help in convincing Slughorn to give up his memory. Hermione tells him it won't work and continues to hate on the book. Ron tries to write an essay on Dementors, but his spell check will has lost the strength in the charm and Hermione fixes his mistakes for him. Dobby and Creature arrive to tell Harry their updates on stalking Malfoy for him. He learns that Malfoy has been going to the Room of Requirement. This just makes Harry obsess more over his favorite Slytherin. Before we know it, Harry is now spending his free time creeping around the seventh floor corridor under the invisibility cloak. To break up the moments of obsession, Harry goes to date analysis where he and Ron are both sassy when Snape is being an asshat. After the two idiots lose points for their house, we get to see them reunite with another stalker, Moaning Myrtle, who Harry has, understandably, tried to avoid for the last several books. When Ron, Hermione, and lots of other six years go to Hogsmeade for extra apparition lessons, Harry goes back to stalking Malfoy. This time, however, he runs into Tonks. There's a generic description of how she must be depressed because mothballs didn't bother to really develop her character. Because she looks thin and her hair is mouse-colored. The two have an awkward exchange, and then Harry returns to the Great Hall to Ron and Hermione. Harry shares his weird theory about Tonks being in love with Sirius. Ron says something stupid about women, and Gwen Hermione admirably manages not to shank him for being an idiot. He's an idiot. Here's the thing. We're getting to the point where, like, every chapter, each one of these characters has a redeeming moment and a shitty moment. We do open up talking about these apparition tests. This is where we see Sectum Sempra. Yep, and Harry's just like, I would like to try this, but Hermione won't approve. And I'm like, how about you just never try it, Harry? Well, it says something about, like, he put it to the side. He didn't want to just try it in front of Hermione. It was like, yeah. good thing you didn't, because then you would, in a situation where you have to save your other friend's life after right? just getting runs. So Literally. Now, I will say, I did not watch the movie in this part. I'm just realizing that. But I think Sestum Sempra actually happens shortly after where we left off. So I was surprised not to see it at all. I'm assuming that it still comes shortly. Yes, it's obviously not in, in this chapter or the next one, but this section is not at all in the movie. And it's a lot of him like hanging around the room of requirement, seventh corridor, all of that. Literally, the only thing I think that's in this chapter that's in the movie is seeing the word Sectrum Sempra. You just see it when you see him look at the book at some point earlier in the movie. Yeah. That's it. The rest of this is not in the movie. Yeah, I was honestly kind of surprised because when I was looking at how many pages there were and they mentioned it right at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is where it happens. But it doesn't. It's actually just very standard of him stalking Malfoy without any violence. Not yet. Yeah, not yet anyways. So that's how we open up. And the spell checking quill that Ron is using, I mean, it's beyond, either Ron really fucking doesn't know how to spell because I was going to be like, oh, look, we have evidence of them not knowing how to spell at Hogwarts. But then we see that it spelled his name wrong. And I'm like, okay, so malfunctions so much in the opposite direction. Yeah, I feel like the spell that was on it just kind of stopped working. I guess. It's funny that it is misspelling everything else so incorrectly. It's doing the complete opposite. It's not just that the spell hasn't worn off. It's that it's like backfired a little bit. And kind of funny to see a product go haywire like that. This is also where Hermione goes to help Ron with it. And he says, I love you, Hermione. He does. Hermione kind of like blushes. And I'm like, okay, come on, Hermione. This is your moment. But... 
This is where we learn that Purple Girlfriend is still around. Yeah, he hasn't broken it off with her because he's a fucking coward. Yeah, he's spineless. So that sleeping that he was doing in the hospital wing has kind of morphed into just being complacent. It's very weird to me. It seemed like in the past few chapters, he made steps towards that. So I don't think we get enough context for this if it's just that he's like, okay, it's over and she is ignoring him or if he isn't telling her clearly enough. Because I could see a case for either of them. I was kind of surprised to see that. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of where... And we see it even more in the next chapter of this is where Lavender is starting to be a little bit difficult to read. All the stuff in the past is natural. She has turned into being a lot more insane. That's when we get the house elves to come back. I kind of like write these as thoughts come to me. I can't remember if the house elves come back first or if they are discussing Slughorn first. Because the other thing that does happen in this discussion is Hermione basically saying, like, you don't have to trick Slughorn. You have to convince him. There's a reason why Dumbledore is having you do this because you have the power to do it. That automatically makes me think of, like, okay, what is she alluding to? Is there something in the text other than Felix Felicis, which, of course, is what it ends up being in the next chapter, that she would be referring to that is kind of like a blatant clue that we've seen. I don't think there is, but I just thought it was interesting and wanted to bring it up. Because Harry's looking in the book and she's like, that's not going to tell you what you want. And she's right, you know, like there's something specific about why Dumbledore put him up to the task. I don't know. She kind of annoys me through this part because she's just like, well, it's something special that only you can do. She's not trying to help him figure that out. She's just trying to tell him why looking at the Half-Blood Prince book is wrong, which is not necessarily productive it's just more of like Hermione just saying the things that's just gonna irritate Harry more I think she helps him get closer but you're right she doesn't help at all which is kind of interesting there are some cases that we've seen in the past where Hermione kind of comes in in the clutch moment and has that missing piece and they do kind of figure it out in the next chapter I'm just kind of wondering like could it have been anything else if Felix Felicis wasn't here I really don't have an answer to it I don't think so yes I'm sure there could be something else. This is the trajectory that we went through. But whatever it was, they weren't getting there. Who knows what the other trajectory could have been, but I'm happy that this is the way we go because this next chapter is quite fun. But then another thing that you said that also happens is the house elves pop in here. This entire time, I am just like, why didn't we just rely on Dobby? Right. I get it. Well. Your house elf. But Dobby would do the same thing and he's more trustworthy, you know what I mean? Would do this. I mean, it it really comes down to the fact that Harry is probably thinking, I can't give this to Dobby as an order, and I can with Creature. And so, especially once Dobby and Creature showed up in the hospital wing and Harry told them the plan, when Creature is just kind of being a dick and being like, oh yes, I will happily follow Draco Malfoy, Harry should have been like, the fuck you will. You shut your mouth. Dobby gets your gig. Like, yeah, that's- that would feel a little bit more normal to me because here, Creature is just kind of like a nuisance. It's the loophole that he was looking for. He's only telling Harry what he wants to say rather than the whole story. Yeah. But then luckily Dobby comes through as usual and then tries to... How many times are we going to mention Shaka Khan on this podcast? But it's a joke yeah. that we're going to let go. He tries to run through the fire. <laughs> like- <laughs> I wonder if the 
reminder of Creature's existence in the second half of this book is just Mothballs being like, hey, you need to remember this character exists because next book they're going to be important. I like that thought a lot more because more and more, I mean, I mentioned with like the little girl in the hallway that drops the scales and everything. And there's a few things in this chapter too, as we get into it, that I'm like, there's a reason for this. There's no way that this is just like here for the fuck of it. And so I like that kind of reminder. I think Creature is one of those characters that you're kind of quick to forget. I guess he kind of made sense to be at the Dursleys. And I loved that little scene that was funny, but that's not enough. I don't think. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that was also important to, like, make sure we're closing that gap of what's going on with Grimmauld Place mm-hmm. and to, like, show what happened to that after Sirius died. So I get that, you know, and then we're just like, but it felt like when Dumbledore said, you could send him to Hogwarts to work in the kitchens. And Harry's like, yeah, do that. And you're like, okay, we don't have to deal with Creature anymore. And then, just kidding, we bring him back the second half of the book. I feel like it is to give everyone a reminder that he is there. So that when they encounter him again in this next book, it's not like, you know, oh yeah, Creature, I forgot about him. He hasn't been around since forever, you know. But I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I understand what she was thinking. Yeah, they give their reviews and Hermione tries to be like, Creature did well too. And Creature's like, oh yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. it It is so funny because we didn't really get a lot of spew recently. Even in book yeah. five, it wasn't really a thing. It was just Hermione yeah. making those hats and shit. Wasn't that in book four though? Was that in book four? I think it was book four, but book five is such a, like so, ongoing. It's so, just so traumatic. You're like, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. happened recently sometime. So, who knows? But I think it happened in book four. And then we're, we start seeing some of this stuff with, with Hokey, with Creature, Dobby is back. There's something that happens in the next chapter that also kind of goes along with this. So it is kind of nice to bring Creature back from that standpoint, too, of like some of the spew stuff. Because that, by this point, you've absolutely forgotten about, I think. Makes this resurgence, I think, that is kind of necessary. Now, after this, they are doing some of their sleuthing that I always really enjoy where Harry, like, gets an epiphany. And he realizes, oh my gosh, the room of requirement. It's not just random people who are up there. The two girls that he was going to have a threesome with were Crab and Goyle. And I mean, I'm sure they've had enough threesomes already, so it's not like it was anything special. But (laughs) what it says is Harry should have known there's that vat of polyjuice potion just sitting around downstairs. And I'm like, are you- Why are we not protecting our polyjuice potion? Like, have not learned nothing from like when Voldemort was around? Yes. Come on. I mean, we all know that Hogwarts is poorly managed, but there are some things going on here that it's like, Voldemort's back, guys. We know that now. Maybe we need to create some better precautions here. So Slughorn's like, mm, yeah, I'm afraid of the Death Eaters coming to get me. But then I come to Hogwarts, you know, where I met Voldemort and told him vital information. And I'm just going to leave potions just lying around. That sounds like a great idea. Nothing to be concerned about. And I believe Polyjuice Potion is one of those things that has been on some of your screen rant lists as like most dangerous for obvious reasons. <laughs> if I remember correctly from the second book, I believe Hermione got the book that had Polyjuice Potion in it from the restricted section. You don't mess with this shit unless yeah. you're Barty Crouch. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You see Polyjuice Potion enough through the series, which is funny. 
you don't see some of that through line stuff from the early books as you get later into the series because you just learn so much more. But Ali's Juice Potion is one of those things you consistently see brought up. I mean, it's definitely in the next book too, but you don't often see people saying like Alohomora and Wingardium Leviosa and some of those like book one spells quite as frequently. It's interesting that that is one of those things that does have a very clear through line. No, I love it. It's also kind of funny that in the second book, they brewed the Polyjuice Potion so that they could sneak into the Slytherin common room. Mm -hmm. And now, fast forward to book six, and those two fuckers who (laughs) Harry and Ron were pretending to be are now being girls. Yes. So I said this in one of the last episodes that there's this like symmetry to the series and it's in book two and six. Yeah. I didn't even think of that until you said that. It's really funny to see that parallel for sure. Now, speaking of, this is, I think, where they go to Hogsmeade and he talks about how it's a nice spring day and how the sky is blue. And I'm like, oh yeah, that would probably make me feel a lot better after this kind of dreary week too. So I always like when they talk about like it breaking into spring in the books because it's like, Oh, yeah. Now, this is where I agree with Hermione, because to your point earlier, where she kind of like prodded him in the sort of right direction, but didn't really help him. She's like, okay, this is your chance to try to figure out more about like how to get this memory. And Harry's like, nah, I'm going to go like stand in the hallway for an entire hour and get nowhere, basically. She says, I've already told you you need to persuade him. It's not a question of tricking or bewitching him. Or Dumbledore would have done it in a second. Instead of messing around outside the room of requirement yeah she's just like go do the thing bitch and he's like no i'm gonna go do the thing i want to do which sounds so much fun they go to data class and this is where we get that sass from ron in particular you have to read that too like what he said yeah so let's so let's look at the whole thing first and then yes absolutely Because truly, nothing really exciting happens in this class. Snape is a dick as usual, blah, blah, blah. It seems like this way to kind of cut things up a little bit, but we at least get some of these nice little zingers. Yeah, so Seamus is like, hey, what is an inferior? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And Snape is like, it wasn't an inferior, it was actually Mundungus Fletcher. And I was like, wow, way to be a helpful teacher, you dick. And then Harry, who doesn't understand that sometimes you have to fight on the same side as dumbasses, is talking to Ron and Hermione, saying, I don't know why Snape wouldn't be upset that Mundungus was arrested, because Harry just wants everyone who's part of the order to be good. I don't know what his deal is. He's kind of silly. And then Snape's like, well, Harry's got something to say, so say it. And then Harry's like, uh, well, Fury are dead bodies, and they're solid, and ghosts are see-through. And then Snape is like, yeah, everyone fucking knows that, you dumb bitch. But also... <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much that. It's the- pretty much that. And then he's like, oh yeah, everyone knows that. And Ron is like, yeah, but he literally asked how you tell them apart. And Harry just fucking did that. And so he said, well, what Harry said is the most useful if we're trying to tell them apart, said Ron. When we've come face to face with one down a dark alley, we're going to have a shefty to see if it's solid, aren't we? We're not going to be asking, excuse me, are you the imprint of a departed soul? Okay, like that seems like such a smart thing for Ron to say. When we opened up this episode, we started talking about how Ron's an idiot for saying some inappropriate things, but... He is an idiot, but he's still funny as fuck. This is not an idiot. I mean, it is two completely different things. He is absolutely being a smart ass here. I really liked this retort. You touched on it immediately. Like that's the purpose of going to data class is this little reminder. 
Because that's it. It's like reminders. Okay. When I was reading this chapter, I felt like it was like one step forward, two steps back. There's all this weird stuff that happens. Creatures there. There's this Mundungus and Fury thing there, which is obviously foreshadowing and to bring it up so that we don't forget about these elements. Then it's a couple steps back because now we have like new clues that we have to unearth. So the Inferi thing obviously is the main reason, but my biggest takeaway was what Ron said. I just thought it was amazing how he was able to clap back so quickly. I think that these are nice little moments. And of course, like Ron being sassy is something we're enjoying because, well, it's against Snape and Snape is a fucking dick. Yeah. So One other thing I had written here kind of out of order, kind of going back to the corridor, which we obviously do quite a lot if we're Harry Potter in this instance, is while he's traipsing around, obviously in order to get into the room requirement, you have to think the certain thing. And I like that he's trying to think the right thing. I appreciate that tactic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is still like possible. Like, would he need to know specifically, like, I need to get to the vanishing cabinet and that's the key that is missing? Or would it be something that he would just would not be able to get in there no matter what because of like intention that Jerry Draco has? You know what I mean? So I believe that the magic is supposed to be, Hermione explains it. The reason why Draco was able to get in there with Umbridge or whatever during the DA meetings is because they knew exactly what it was. Yeah, like Um, they knew that it was Dumbledore's army. Yeah, they knew that they were in there doing these classes because the dumb bitch was telling everyone about it. But here, Harry knows that Draco is in there, but he doesn't know what he's using the room for. If he were to be like, I need to be in the room where everything is hidden, then he would be in the right place, which is what he uses later on in the book when he hides the half-blood friend's book in that room because in that room is where the vanishing cabinet ended up for whatever reason i don't fucking know how it ended up there maybe this book will tell us but i forget if it did or not it's funny because we are tracking a lot of objects and stuff i mean we had all these conversations about the horcruxes and of course we'll continue to have them the vanishing cabinet it is interesting like how did it end up being there i imagine just like these horcruxes it could even be like a story that doesn't really matter, but has this winding thing of at one point they had a Madden cabinet at Hogwarts because X, Y, Z. I don't know why, but when I was thinking specifically about the room of requirement in this case, it made me think of the Mirror of Erised and how Dumble needed it at one time and now he has it hidden somewhere and it could very well be in the room of requirement in this like massive disorganized storage fire hazard yeah. foreshadowing. I wonder if it was something like that, like at some point they needed a quick way to get to Diagon Alley and so they had it and they no longer needed it I I don't know obviously I'm just yeah I mean because we don't actually know but that's also possible then Harry and Ron go to the bathroom yep they're double deucing and Myrtle's like hey what's up I thought you were my boyfriend and they're like you have a boyfriend now and Ron is again sassy he's like when you say you have a lot in common does that mean he also lives in an S-Ben too he's kind of a dick but I love it oh my gosh Of course, this is where I was like, what the fuck? Speaking of things that we haven't seen since book four, we have not seen her since book four. We've not seen Myrtle. Because Harry, understandably, avoids the fuck out of that bathroom. Also, it's a girl's bathroom, so he shouldn't be in there. Now, of course, he's visiting. So guess what, Myrtle? It takes two. Like, why didn't you visit him when he's taking a leak? 
Yeah. So what is this? <laughs> I was shocked. Oh, okay. You know who she's talking about. No. Wait, no. Is this Draco? Is this Draco? Yeah, it's Draco. Okay. Because obviously Sectum Semper happens in a bathroom. So mm-hmm. is he also doing the Polyjuice Potion in the bathroom? Well, no, sorry. <laughs> I said that and then it goes back to no, there's a vat of it in the basement. But I can't remember specifically what he's doing in the bathroom. Well, he basically just goes into the bathroom to have a nervous breakdown, which is fair. Like, what he's doing is hard. He is yeah. entitled to that nervous breakdown. This um, doesn't happen until the next book, but obviously his look is looking, his look is looking. He is looking a little bit more like harried, almost like he's aged himself a little bit from the stress. And I'm assuming that's why he looks so different, is that he's just had hell of a year. Oh, um, it's been a shit year for him. The one thought I have about this is the way that Myrtle is talking about Draco I don't think you would instantly think it was Draco. No, she's like, people bully him. And I was like, people don't bully him. You could very well say that it's like Harry and Ron sticking up for themselves in some instances. And like, we could go on this whole thing about bullying, but Draco is obviously bullying in the first place because of insecurities. So when people kind of defend themselves back to him, he could interpret that as people trying to give him shit or something like that the Um, other thing could be is you know how when they're on the train and harry overhears their whole conversation draco's like puffing himself up and candy's like oh you don't mean him and it's clear that they all kind of suspect that draco because his father is part of voldemort's inner circle whether he's a prisoner or not, all of the kids who know Death Eaters or have Death Eaters in their family know that the Malfoys are part of Voldemort's inner circle. So what if Blaise Zavini and Crabbe and Goyle do still like pick on him when he's trying to be, you know, I have to handle this shit that I was supposed to do, even though they don't know everything, like they could still be picking on him. It could be that people aren't taking him seriously. Yeah. That could very well be a part of it kind of in the middle there. I mean... I can't remember, honestly, if we did talk about Drake or not in like the mental health episode, but there are a lot of cases there of like how he was raised and the way he behaves and stuff that kind of shows some inadequacy and things like that, that cause him to at many times be a bully and whatnot. So the way that Myrtle is describing him definitely doesn't seem like it fits until you get Yeah, like you'd think it was Draco. Yeah. We get kind of rinse and repeat here. Hermione says, once again, you need to fucking focus on this memory. And at this point, she said it enough where I'm like, okay, I I agree. This is ridiculous. You're wasting your time in that fucking hallway. But he still hasn't turned over that leaf and he goes back. And this is where he actually scares little girl Goyle or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is brilliant. That is amazing. But the thing that happens next... I was almost more shocked to see Tonks than I was Myrtle because it does seem very out of character. She wants to go see Dumbledore, but he's not there. And wouldn't she know that how she gets like really emotional all of a sudden? Is there something specific that she is after? I guess I have two parts to the question. First part is that, is there something very specific that she is trying to get information from Dumbledore? And then the second part, I suppose, when she kind of like wells up at Sirius, Did she really care that much about Sirius as a friend and obviously like a cousin and stuff? Or is Sirius's death having an effect on Lupin that is keeping Lupin away from her? I really think that it's Lupin, but also for to flesh out her character unlike someone, I think she's probably feeling very isolated. Tonks is one of the youngest members of the Order of the Phoenix and she had that connection with Lupin. He is not reciprocating. 
Now he's also in a very dangerous situation. You know, Lupin is hanging out with all the werewolves. Mm-hmm. She's worried. On top of that, this was a note I actually had from the next chapter. We get some of that here too, of like people disappearing and stuff. And in the next chapter, I think we hear about Fenrir murdering a child or something. Yeah. And that's the through line there of like the werewolf bullshit. Because like, Fenrir is the one who attacked Lupin when he was a child. I don't think that we have seen, like, the connection yet between Lupin and Tonks. We obviously have made those connections, like we talked about her new Patronus and stuff. And actually it's brought up when he goes back to around Hermione of, like, it being a dog. When we thought, okay, maybe it's actually a wolf, or maybe it is serious. It could be her. We obviously know that this is kind of brewing in the background, but I don't think there has been a moment in the book yet where it's actually been connected that she has these feelings. That's one of these reasons why it feels so weird. Why would she be going to talk to Dumbledore? I wonder if it's to get an update on Lupin. Maybe. At the same time, I kind of feel like, wouldn't she know he wasn't there? But then again, his travel schedule has been a little bit insane. He's gone and he comes back for this lesson with Harry and then he's gone again. And like he, it's like he only is returning to give Harry these little lessons and whatnot. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me is that she's trying to get some information. And really, that's where the chapter ends. It's pretty basic in terms of, okay, we solved some stuff, but now here's all these other questions and everything. It's one of those like pass through chapters that are sometimes a little bit like refreshing when you have a lot of back to back stuff where people are almost dying and whatnot. So there's one more thing I wanted to say. It's so stupid. But I really appreciate that Harry is trying so hard to understand what Tonks is about. Mm -hmm. Harry's wrong, obviously, but like he's trying. And I just really appreciate that. Also, yeah, go Hermione for just being like, I could murder you, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we've talked a lot already about like the difference of Tonks in book five to six how she was so friendly in the first and this one it feels like she's a shell of a person of what she was it's almost like harry knows how vibrant tonks can be but she isn't able to kind of let him in i mean she's a little bit more mature too so she's also kind of like oh this is a private thing this is not something i need to tell this teenage boy and everything This is one of those like really minor storylines that I would love to see kind of get wrapped up quickly (laughs) because in a weird way, it's an uncomfortable part of the book because it is so real too. You know, there's more real world emotions and stuff involved with this. Especially because now we're just relying on these teenagers who don't have that kind of experience to navigate it for us because some mothballs was like, uh, I don't know the right characters. I like her name being some mothballs. Not mothballs, but some. <laughs> I was this close to calling her Mistress Mothballs in a recent episode. You know what? I did like that you called her Mistress something. Mistress, well, I called her Madam Meatloaf and you changed Madam it to Meatloaf. Meatloaf. But I think That's I like Mistress right. more than Madam. <laughs> On that note, let's play a game. We're going back to the old faithful and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. <laughs> Wow, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've done it, for absolutely sure. 
I was looking at our list and I'm like, I feel like I've done all of these kind of recently. Let's go back and do Fuck Mary Kill. So I have three muck, yeah, I have three muck fairy kills for you. Muck so fairy muck, kill. muck fairy kill between finding out what Draco is doing in the room of requirement, getting the memory from Slughorn, and learning to apparate. So basically, these are like three goals that not necessarily Harry has because he's too young to apparate, but three goals within this chapter. So I guess I'm going to um, muck learning to apparate. So is that fucking or marrying? Fuck, okay. but also muck. And I'm going to fairy getting the memory from Slughorn. And I'm going to kill Draco bothering that guy. I think I agree. Like I said, at this point, I'm more on like what Hermione is saying. Of like, don't pay attention to the fucking corridor. There's bigger fish to fry. Well, if only Dumbledore would just tell Harry, hey, I know you're worried about this. I got it handled. Not Harry is no big deal. Because right. then Harry would not be focusing on that as much. Well, at the same time, and I'm kind of biding my time until I actually say this in an episode, but there will come a moment when we learn about these horcruxes where I'm like, okay, Dumbledore, you let Harry go on this wild goose chase for his memory when you kind of like had an inkling all along. Like, couldn't we have just skipped over all the performative bullshit and gone right to it? But we'll get there. But yeah, so I'm also going to kill the little adventure into the seventh floor corridor. And originally I was going to marry the apparition class, but truly in the scheme of things, I think the most marryable is getting the memory. So I'm willing to agree with your answers. Ooh, I love it. The second Fuck, Mary Kill trio are three characters that we don't see too often, but are all quite beloved, and that is Dobby, Tonks, and Myrtle. And I feel like this is probably an easy one. Okay, I'm going to marry Dobby, and I'm going to fuck Tonks and kill Myrtle. She already yeah. did. She's already I dead. Mean, at, so, at the end of the series, they're all dead, but you know. You know, I kind of also agree with you there. I think it's a 50-50 between Tonks and Dobby. Like, do I really want to fuck Dobby? That's kind of really what it is. I don't, I'm not interested in fucking Dobby. I'll marry him. He'd probably be a really great servant around. <laughs> he would be a great <laughs> servant. That's no, he'd be good to have around. I mean, I'd be like, I mean, if you want to do that, that's cool, but I can also do it. The personality of a house elf, you know? Right. Yeah, it's been kind of between those two because I feel like if I want like a good, happy relationship, it's going to be more fulfilling with Tonks. But I also don't want to die in the second Wizarding War. Exactly. Um, and then my third, speaking of Dobby, is throwing yourself from the tower to your death, going through the fire with Shaka Khan to your death, uh, or the only other thing that I could kind of think of that would go along with this that I definitely remember he does is ironing his hands. And because the other two are involving his death, let's just say you iron your hands to death. Okay, well, I'm going to kill that one. It's um, probably the longest and most painful. Yeah, I think I'm going to fuck go through the fire with Shaka Khan. And I'm going to marry throwing myself off the tower because hopefully that's quick and only painful for a second. I don't know. I guess so. I don't know why, but that's. <laughs> I'm just going to marry like throwing myself in the tower. I'm going to agree with the ironing one. I think that one is just going to be the most uncomfortable overall. I am actually going to fuck falling from the tower. All right. Not because it's like sexy or anything. <laughs> but I no, I don't, I don't think that's sexy. <laughs> it would be more terrifying to actually get up the gumption to do that. Going through the fire doesn't seem as terrifying to me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a fire sign, but... Yeah, I'm a little afraid of fire, so... There have been times when I've been hiking on, like, cliffs and stuff, and I do not like the idea of, like, falling from a great height. I wouldn't say I'm, like, have a huge fear of heights, but... I think falling. that everyone is afraid of falling. 
but heights are different. I'm not afraid of heights, but yeah. definitely afraid of falling. <laughs> what if somebody isn't afraid of falling? If that's you, let us know because yeah, I want to hear about so, how that is. Why are you the way that you are? That's <laughs> why are you the way that you are. Oh, I just love falling to my death. <laughs> I don't think that we could get that answer from them unless we have ghosts who listen to this. That's true. Excuse I mean, me, are you an imprint of a departed soul? Let me consult my cards. Who knows? Maybe I'll divine some spirits. We already really touched on the movie. Sectum Semper is written in the book. <laughs> yep, that's it. Both of these chapters, very, very simple. You know, it's funny. I haven't given Harry points or taken them away in a while, and he doesn't get any this time either. I feel like he probably could have gotten some, but whatever. It is what it is. I gave 10 to Tonks and Dobby because, I mean, they're there. We love Tonks. We feel bad for Tonks. Dobby is useful. And then Ron and Hermione both get 10 points because they've mended their relationship fully now. It's kind of back to normal. They both have redeeming things that happen here. You know, Hermione is a little bit annoying and then she kind of redeems herself. Ron is witty and then he kind of like hurts himself. But I'm like, you know what? We're back. It's one less <laughs> thing to worry about. And then I'm taking five points away from Snape and Creature because both of them were dicks, but we know that they're capable of much more. So. <laughs> so it's only 10. Five. Oh, besides five. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, I thought you were trying to like get me to take more points away from Snape. Oh, no. He's losing enough on his own. He doesn't need my help. That is true. Although Gryffindor is tanking this book, man. <laughs> yeah. So to be fair, they're also winning this book. So. So next time we have a funeral, Dobby has finally thrown himself off the tower. And so <laughs> we have After the Bitter, which actually is very similar to an Agatha Christie book. I haven't mentioned her in a long time. It's um, been a minute. After the Funeral is the name of the book that she wrote. So that's what we're doing next time. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's a good chapter. This feels like the culmination of the book. It's a little early. It feels like, you know, the moment when they go under Fluffy and stuff like that. Right. Because this is what we've been waiting for. But the fun thing is that the payoff of this chapter is some nice juicy stuff. So so join us for that payoff next time. We love some nice juicy stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, we do. Nice juicy potato balls. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basic snitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!